Welcome to Monday Morning Homilist. I'm Father Manny Alvarez. And I'm Jorge Santibanez. Every Monday morning, we dive deeper into the previous Sunday's readings and homilies. And towards the end, we veer off to talk about life and definitely talk a little sports. Enjoy. Good morning. Happy Monday. We're back. Happy season five. We're back. These things still work. Hello. They One, are. Two, three months. These things have been, you know, covered. Hibernating. But the, we haven't walked in here. What? We had, a, we had a little glitch the first time we recorded, but we're, we're back up and running. Yeah, we're good we're, to go. I almost blew up my eardrums, but that's another story. <laughs> well, it's great to be back. Season five, three months, almost to the day that we recorded our last podcast and School's back in session, people are going back to work, and we're glad to join you on your morning commute or on your um, or afternoon, afternoon commute or wherever it is that you listen to or us. Or on your Tuesday morning. Or on your morning run or on your <laughs> treadmill or wherever it is you listen to us. We're, we're, we're grateful and share it with others. That's the most important thing as we spread the gospel. So what's up, George? How was your summer? Summer was good. Got, uh, got to rest. Got a little downtime, did some traveling. Yes, you did. You did some traveling. I did some traveling. The whole world went to Europe. Apparently, I read this morning um, that uh, somebody I follow on Twitter said that they just landed in Ireland because this weekend is the Navy-Notre Dame game in Dublin. And they said that this weekend will see the biggest incursion of Americans into Europe since World War II. Something like that. And I'm like, huh. But it did seem like all of America was in Europe, specifically, if you follow your social media, yep. everybody in Miami was in Greece. Yep, I, okay? I saw a lot of that. Or, or the Amalfi Coast, which is in Italy, but were they giving of, away free trips in Greece? I, I don't know. A lot of France. I saw a lot oh, of Well, I was in, in France. France. You know, I was in France and, and then in Spain, where it was brutally hot in Spain. Oh, my. Well, you were in Barcelona. I was in Madrid. Yeah. We were about two weeks apart. I went in late June. You were in mid-July. Melting. Oh, it was awful. But the thing is that... They don't put the premium on AC like we do here in the United States, and we're spoiled. So it's like, you know, we want we want, we want ice cubes in our drink, and we want AC. Oh, these spoiled Americans, you know, it's like, what, what, what do you want? I mean, that's not, that's not Spaniard, that's French, but anyways. So, and, yeah. And Louis, Louis made the rounds around the world. Louis, who Woo! did, yeah, Louis. Our school uh, mascot. Our school mascot, which we gave to the kids at the last day of school to, um, so that they could take them and show us where they've been traveling. He really went around the world, and there were same places they, that I when I was talking to the kids last week, as I was going around from class to class. I always asked the kids, "Okay, who you know who went the farthest?" We had talked like we had a map here that Louis at the very end we he saw him go to Australia. We yep. want him to go, but Louis did go into Africa, and Louis did go into Asia. All right, not Far East Asia. Uh, I want to say somebody went to Japan, but I can't confirm that. So we're just missing Antarctica. Yeah, or he's just missing Antarctica. Yeah, he's just missing Antarctica. <laughs> and, and so, and Louis, Louis was present yesterday when the the eighth, fifth, eighth graders had their class uh, mass. And then, oh, that's awesome! And uh, then they had a reception in, in, in the cafeteria. And he was all over the place there. So, my boy's making the rounds, and he went he uh, he went up mountains, and he he went into you know he fished for sharks, uh, or father did. Um, but he went into some interesting places. Uh, and that was, you know, that made, made us jealous. But it was a great summer, and now we're back. And, um, and we're going to ease in with a nice, gentle gospel. Oh, my goodness. I'm like, <laughs> if, if it could have been la- last week's was the, Jesus walking in the water and Peter walking, I might go, I almost said, let's start it last week. Yeah. But it's like, no, we already scheduled it for this week. So 
But maybe... No, instead we have Jesus insulting a woman. Yeah, exactly. And so maybe Jesus wants to make us uncomfortable the first right podcast the of bat. season Here five. Here we go. So <laughs> what happens? Jesus, and, and maybe to refresh your memory, because the wording of this is so important. Uh, Jesus encounters a Canaanite woman. So he goes... Jesus went from the, that place and withdrew. Now, this is right after, you know, the, the feeding of the 5,000 and, and uh, you know, him walking on the water. After he walks the water, he, he does a couple of other things. But then he goes out to the region of Tyre, Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman of that district came and called out, Have pity on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not say a word in answer to her. His disciples came and asked him, Send her away, for she keeps calling out after us. He sent a reply, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But the woman came and did him homage, saying, Lord, help me. He said in reply, It is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. She said, Please, Lord, for even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the table of their masters. Then Jesus said to her in reply, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was be healed from that hour. So there's a lot going on there, and we're going to unpack it here during the podcast. But obviously, and I said at the at the outset of my homilies yesterday, it's like, wow, let's get the elephant out of the room. Did Jesus just insult a woman? And he went, yep. Did he just call her a dog? Yep. yep. And it makes us uncomfortable because we're not used to Jesus being dismissive. He said, all, all the gospel says is, she, you know, he did not say a word in answer to her. But what's important here, and I made that distinction yesterday, is that she approaches him, Lord, have pity on, have pity on me, Lord, son of David, which is a messianic title. And you start thinking, okay, what does she know? And that's, that's why she has to be moved by such incredible faith, because she recognizes him as the Messiah. Now, could it have been desperation because of her daughter? Absolutely. What mother is not desperate to heal, to have, find some healing for their child? You have two children. If, if something was wrong with them, you'd tear the, the world apart looking for something to heal your children. And so this woman is desperate. Now, the disciples are dismissive. and We'll, we'll talk more about the disciples in a second. And they want her to go away. And then finally, you know, she, you know, he, he says to her, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And this is where she goes, and I didn't mention this yesterday in the homily, but she comes undeterred, came and did him homage. The same words that were used to apply, you could apply them, now you could apply them, they are applied to the magi that did him Jesus homage in the manger, wherever Jesus was living. And this is what this woman does and says, Lord, help me. The same words that Peter used in last week's gospel when he was sinking in the sea. And then Jesus' response to that is not right, right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. That's the, the one that makes us uncomfortable. Please, Lord, for even dogs eat the scraps that fall from the table to their masters. And then he's moved by that. It says, great is your faith. Your wish is granted. Your prayers are answered. So we can't, the main thing that we have to understand here is that St. Matthew, the Gospel of the Reading, is writing this to, for a primarily Jewish audience who he is trying to convince that Jesus is the Messiah they have long waited for. But And because he is writing to a Jewish audience, 
there are things that the Jewish audience will recognize, and there are things that the Jewish audience will say, well, that's out of the norm. Yes, it's right that the disciples and Jesus ignore this lady because, number one, she's a woman, and number two, she's a Canaanite woman, she is a foreigner. And it is normal for Jewish people of the time to call any type of foreigner who's not part of the Israel, who's not an Israelite, to call them dogs and swine. And so when they hear this from Jesus, it doesn't phase them. It phases us because we're trying to apply 2023 sensibilities to a first century text. And we can't do that. I did not make that distinction yesterday. (laughs) I'm making it now. I'm just saying because not to sugarcoat what Jesus says. It's not, you know, because you could, a lot of preachers fall into that trap of trying to to make excuses for Jesus or sugarcoating Jesus. Jesus had a, a simple reason. Remember, Jesus is sinless. We cannot call somebody a dog or a swine because it's insulting, it's, it's a violation of the commandment, and it's sinful. But Jesus did not sin. Jesus was trying to elicit a response from this woman, was trying to push her buttons, and it was, was basically doing what was a convention of the time. And again, we cannot apply the things that the, the social conventions of 2023, of the 21st century, to the 1st century. So all this is going on and elicits this persistence in Jesus, in, in the woman, to keep at it and to demonstrate to Jesus her faith, which she does. She cries out to him, Lord, calls him the son of David, recognizes him as Messiah, does him homage, says, Lord, help me. Why would Jesus you know, listen to Peter, who said the same thing last week, and not listen to somebody else or all his children? And he does. And that's an example for all of us to be persistent in our prayer and to always, you know, try to do homage to the Lord and be constantly asking for things because he wants to help us. He wants to free us. He wants to heal us as he healed the daughter of this woman. And that's going to require work. You know, and that's that's what I got from, you know, as I was reflecting on this encounter with Christ is what love this woman had for her daughter, that she would she was willing to bear an insult from our Lord. Gladly, because she's and, and you know, you said I have two kids, what what wouldn't I give you know, every time anytime my kids come down with, with a cold, with a sickness, anytime I see them hurting, you know. How, Runs out of the office. You know, how what what would I give to to take that on myself so that they wouldn't have to, to suffer? You know? And she takes on this this insult, and you know, was it a test? Was it, as you said, he's, he's just trying to elicit a response to use it as a teaching moment for her and for everyone gathered around watching what was happening? You know, to see all, you know, and he he knew that people were trying to trap him. You know, so he's mindful not just of of what's happening with this woman, but he's mindful of everyone who's around watching, you know, judging, trying to you know get him in that in that gotcha moment. And he's still going to use that as a as a teaching opportunity for everyone, you know. But what love this woman has that she would go to that extent, you know, in her person. Because yeah, it'd be easier to say, "Oh, you call me a dog. You're not the Messiah. I'm going to go find. I'm going to go find salvation but, somewhere but else." But she must have been used to being called that by right. other Jews. But and and here's the thing, and I and I ponder on this week because there's very little biblical commentary on this passage. I went digging for it. I mean, in fact, I'm looking at the New York Bible in front of me right now, and it says, you know, this is Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, 
And when you go down, it says, see note on Matthew 8, 5, 13. So you go to note on Matthew 8, and then it sends you to another note. I'm like, can you please give me something to chew on about this gospel? Um, There was a great, I I didn't mention this at the the 1030 Mass yesterday, but I kind of mentioned it at 530. Uh, There was um, a great tweet. Was it, we still call them tweets? Is it tweets or X's? X's. (laughs) So stupid. Anyways, um, I still call them tweets. And I think everybody else does. But um, there's a wonderful a priest that, that helps out sometimes with the pillar. And and um, I forget how it is that I started following him. But he wrote this about um, about this gospel uh, on, on Saturday night. He said, on Saturday afternoon, he said, I am often frustrated by presentations of, the go- of this gospel that unnecessarily explain away parts that make us uncomfortable. Instead of letting that discomfort challenge us, to enter more deeply into the mystery. We explain it away so that no one has to encounter their own weakness. The beauty of Sunday's gospel is the discomfort. We should feel uncomfortable, for only only then does it force us to ask the question, how is divine love to be understood? And especially with Matthew's gospel, it is in order to do miracles that must be rooted in the cross. The disciples, via Matthew 10, have been given responsibility to heal, exercise, etc., the woman comes to Jesus, and Jesus is silent because the disciples, in other words, the church, are supposed to enter that mission. But instead, they run to Jesus to fix the problem. They refuse the cross. And the beauty of the woman's faith is that she embraces the cross. The gospel is judgment on Israel and the church for not being in the mission of being sent. The woman, in response to the comment about the dogs, is invited into a crucifying moment, which you just said. She didn't mind to be called a dog. She accepts this. This is why Jesus proclaimed her faith is great. She's willing to crucify her own personality in order to heal her daughter. Jesus' comment is not a test. So many preachers say that. And I've said that in the past. It is an invitation of love into his own mission. She accepts the disciples' refuse. Thus, the whole scene, if we are willing to see it through the lens of his withdrawal and being sent as a fundamental act of love, see him being obedient to the Father, and that Jesus won't abandon those who are willing to come close to the cross even when the church fails. So, by the way, that's Father Harrison Iyer. He's, he's a priest in the Diocese of, uh, in British Columbia. And, and just to that note, this isn't something that's unique to this healing because we've seen it, you know, the, the blind man who's calling out you know, and the crowds are trying to push him away. Mm-hmm. You know, the, any time, most of the time, when, when we encounter a healing, you know, there's this person who's seeking a healing is going to encounter resistance. And even I mentioned it yesterday. Yeah, you know, the guy who has to be dropped down through the roof because mm-hmm. the crowds won't let him through. But yeah. I mentioned the foreigners, Roman centurion, yep. and he said, "Lord, heal yep. my servant." Where we get the prayer that we say yep. at mass, "Lord, I'm not worthy you come yep. under my roof." Uh, so foreigners, and that was an underlying theme throughout all the readings yesterday. Uh, Father Hugo and I said discussed this heavily, and he he talked more about the international, yep. you know salvation that Jesus offers, not just for the chosen mm-hmm. people. And that's where I said earlier that we were going to come back to this. Um, look at that. Starting season five, we're coming back to points and finishing <laughs> up, which usually we don't. That, okay, let's talk about the disciples. And and this and this priest did. You know, the and disciples us. represent the church, which is us. They're like, no, 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 go away, woman, you're bothering us. And finally, you know, they, they got, because she's so persistent, they say, he did, his, his disciples came and asked him, send her away, for she keeps calling out after us. 
which is which is what Jesus says, you know, I'm only come to heal the lost sheep of Israel, which is what the Jews believed and what the disciples believed. He's here to rescue Israel. He's here to be the new David. He is the son of David, what she just said. He's here to be our Messiah, to rescue us just like David rescued us, just like Moses rescued us. But what St. Paul mentions yesterday is he's the apostle of the Gentiles. And St. Paul says, I'm doing this to make my own race jealous. It's like throwing the Jews under the bus. So all of this is to, to underscore that the disciples had this, I, I said, it's like, okay, we have exclusive rights to salvation. And for the most part, okay, yes, and then you read the, the Old Testament, you read the Pentateuch, you read Exodus, God chose them. God called them out of Egypt. Actually, God, even before that, God called Abraham in the book of Genesis, called them out of his land into the promised land. And then, obviously, because Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob, and then Jacob, when the, the you know in the whole episode of Joseph, these are the reasons we've been he- reading all summer in the first reading in the Daily Mass. So all of this is going on, and God chooses them, rescues them from Egypt, brings them into brings them into the Promised Land. There we talked about obstacles, many obstacles. Finally, later on, King David, you know, it's the highest point. In the history of Israel, the, the, the magnificent kingdom which continued under King Solomon, and then all after that, everything just came undone, and then everybody was asking for the Messiah to come. So that's why they thought, okay, he's coming. Jesus, and Jesus articulates that. I've come only for the lost sheep of Israel. And she just wants the scraps from the table. She, you know, because he says, it's not right to take food from the children and give it to the scraps and give it to the dogs, excuse me. You know, but he shows, but even the dogs eat the scraps that fall off the table. So this is how incredible this woman's faith is that she just wants the scraps that fall from the table. And so this Father Harrison said it, and I said it yesterday in my homily, is that it's being taken away, and Paul says it as well, it's being taken away from the chosen people and given to everyone else who are more ready are more ready to recognize Jesus as Messiah and more ready to spread the good news about the Messiah. How many times did Jesus have to tell people, lepers, shh, yep. don't say anything. I'm not ready yet. Yep. <laughs> you know. But they're more ready. And so our, you know, the church is indicted here, the Jews are indicted here, in that we don't spread the good news as we should. We don't recognize Jesus as we should. This woman recognizes Jesus. This woman does homage to Jesus. This woman recognizes the Messiah. And this woman says, okay, this man is the only one that can help me. And what happens is that when we are like the disciples and start shooing people away who need our help, then those people start looking for help elsewhere, outside of the arms of Holy Mother Church. And I got into that a little bit deeper at the 5.30 Mass, where I went along on the exegesis in the 10.30 Mass and said, you know, i got to dump out this second. Half my homo, we're going to be here for 25 minutes. And that that's so important because, you know, so many times, you know, people wander off because something happened at church. They have an encounter kind of like that with this woman with the disciples, but this woman is undeterred. But how many people have that encounter of being rejected by someone within the church? be it a priest, be it a layperson, and they don't come back. And they find refuge in another church, in an evangelical church, in you know, in a small church that's on a shopping center somewhere, 
where I, and I mentioned yesterday that you know so many times I've I've been called by a former student and said, Father, I'm in college and and I've found Jesus, and I'm like, that's great, and go, but in an in, in evangelical yeah. church, and I'm like, oh, that's great. Like I'm I'm happy that they found Jesus. I'm happy they found them on a deeper level. I'm happy that they they're opening up the scriptures more, more than Catholics do, and you know, reading it and studying it and, and, and digesting this and praying that at some point they realize, wait, the one thing that's missing here is the Eucharist mm-hmm. and they come back home to receive it. And so, and oftentimes it does. But so many times it's like they realize, wow, there's something here. And they were raised in Catholic schools and they, and they received all the sacraments, but there was something that was missing. And that's a connection of that aha moment. They say, wow, I need to enter into a more intimate encounter with this man who's called Jesus of Nazareth. That we, we, I need to kneel before him just like this woman did and ask him for things and, and be persistent in my asking for things and approach him with humility like this woman did and, he, and cry out to him. And that's what's missing and that's what they're finding in these other churches. Yeah, and that's the beauty of uh, encountering converts. We've we've spoken about this in the past, but not just converts from other non-Christian religions, uh, but really converts from other Christian faiths, where they say, you know, I've I've lived this my whole life. You know, they could recite the Bible back and forth, and and then still, and you know, it's we said it's registration season, so I all the RCA applications, I get a copy of them, so I get I scroll, I like to scroll to the bottom and read some of the extra comments that they make. You know why. Why are you interested in joining the church? You know, what questions do you have? And application after application after application was, you know, there was something missing. There was something missing, and I've, I'm finding it in the church, in the Catholic church, and I want that. You know, so it's that aha moment where, you know, they've had this incredible experience, but it only goes so far. You know, and, and as a cradle Catholic, it's something I often take for granted. You know, I, my office is literally right on top of the Blessed Sacrament Chapel. Yeah, you know, and I take that for granted. There's there are more days than I care to admit that I don't go down there. You know, even if it's for five seconds just to pop in there, and I have the shortest commute to the Blessed Sacrament Chapel. Yeah, you know, and I take that for granted. You know, so so when I encounter a convert, when I read these applications, as I get to know, you know, as we get closer to Easter Vigil as I get to know these individuals and, and hear their stories and, and, you know, speak with Deacon and about the class and, you know, that where they're coming from and what they've, what they've learned and how they've grown over the course of the year. You know, it's that, it's that indictment. But man, I've had this, I've had this the entire time you know, and I've taken it for granted. You know, and, and, and to your point, the, the evangelical, you know, the going out and proclaiming the gospel, I get comfortable. You know, we all get, and and that's that's the other part of this indictment is, yeah, we get comfortable. Just it ain't broken, you know, or it is broken, but we don't want to see it necessarily. But you know, I have my system down, and it works for me. And you know, I'm not gonna stretch myself. You know, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna keep doing it because you know the numbers are okay, the program is okay, the church seems to be okay, you know, and we kind of settle for okay, and and, and that's. We cannot settle for okay. Right. Having said all of that, 
Somebody walked into the sacristy, and, and we talked about this a lot during the summer, and said to me, Father, your ministries are on fire. And you look at, and you look at it. You know, we had a, a concert for, for the Emmaus women on, on Friday, and it was filled with people, and, and they were very happy, and they, they have retreats coming up, and our CIA numbers are, are, are ridiculous yep. this year. And, you know, we have high numbers in CCD, and we look around, and, every, and yes, everything looks amazing mm. and and we talked about you know we're through the new national eucharistic revival and we had that eucharistic procession back in june on june 12th yep. and that was well attended and then we you know had a come to jesus moment on that and say man if, if, if anything that we we've done you know we've instilled in the people a love for the eucharist yep. okay there's one thing you know there's always there's one thing that we're missing there's always there's one. always one thing. I mean, there's probably <laughs> more than one, but there's really one thing, and that's what I harped about yesterday in um, in five thirty mass. So excuse Father's therapy session over the next couple of minutes here on the podcast. You know, yesterday we started the youth group, and and Jorge started as youth minister in this parish twelve years ago. Twelve years ago, okay. And we've had mild degrees of success. With the youth group, that's, I'm being very politically correct mm. right now. <laughs> um, there's a lot of things. 11 that, years ago. Yeah. I'm on year 12, so okay. 11 years ago. Sorry. So what happens is, and you could explain so many things is why we can't, you know, get it right. Uh, and we've asked Izzy, you know, who will be joining us more this season, uh, to help us out with that. And she had the youth group last night, and we... We had a ton of confirmations with people that keep, oh we're coming we're coming we're coming and and most of our eighth grade classroom last year and high schoolers that have graduated from our school and people that we're in contact with we were expecting thankfully as he had didn't order the pizzas until the no. kids got there but we were expecting fifty we had fifty people during COVID okay. in in um, January of uh, in sorry in in September of twenty twenty one yeah and sixteen kids showed up which is a good number I mean we've had less. No. But, you know, it was a group of girls from last year that we did youth group, you know, middle school youth group in, in the school. And, you know, some, about three boys from Milan and then three girls. I, forget, I, I, I talked more with the blonde boys than I did with the other girls. And, and it was like, Izzy and I were like, oh, we were expecting more. And I sent it to you and you sent me a sad face emoji. And, um, and I go, no, we're going to get this right. We, you know, there were, I talked to some of the moms. Oh, they didn't know. Come on, they didn't know. He's been posting things <laughs> online for the last two weeks. He's been calling people. Yep. She said, you know, and there were, and then there was, a, you know, rain all day yesterday. And then there was an unfortunate tragedy. Not, you know, not to blame the, you know, with one of our families over the weekend, and, and then families were ministering to them, which was absolutely beautiful and necessary. Right. So, you know, I won't use that as an excuse, but you know, it's like, Lord, you know, why is it becoming so much of an obstacle? And really, this was, you know. World Youth Day, we, we only sent one child. It wasn't us that sent it. It was her of her own accord that went out of the way and went not with the Archdiocese of Miami, went through oh. with Opus Day. So I'm glad she went, Monica, and we followed her, her, her journeys on Instagram, and it was wonderful. But it's something that hearing this gospel and talking about it, do we, you know, and, and talking about the disciples shooing away people, mm -hmm. are we as a church doing all we can to be welcoming to young people? And I think we are, at least this parish, in terms of are our children, absolutely. We're good with the mass thing. People are good with the kids crying. Yep. It should be, you know, and preacher sure welcoming, but it's teenagers. Teenagers, that is something that I don't know if it's, you know, I'm, I'm looking at my phone right now. 
Um, is it phones? Is it this digital age that you know we're more comfortable with the phones and and, and not interacting with each other in person? I've read books about that. Nope. I've read articles on that. And then, you know, it's the things they're being confronted with. You know, today we celebrate the feast of Saint Pius the Tenth, and he's the one that encouraged you know frequent communion and also brought the age of first communion down to the age of reason. Why? Because he wanted children to receive it. And I read this this morning. I thought it was incredible. He says. Uh, he he wants children. This he he wrote this in 1905, so almost 120 years ago. He wrote the when he when he gave when he brought the age down. The reality of children's innocence and closeness to God, Pius the Tenth wrote. The fact that in ancient times the remaining particles of sacred species were given to nursing infants seemed to indicate that no extraordinary no extraordinary preparation should now be demanded of children who are in the happy state of innocence and purity of soul and who amidst so many dangers and seductions of the present time have a special need of this heavenly food. 120 years ago, he said, mm. confronted amidst so many dangers and seductions of the present time in 1905. And I'm what thinking, would he say today? <laughs> I'm like, what was going on? I mean, obviously the rise of communism, modernism, there were so many things that turned of the century, you know, 100 years ago. But I read that this morning, I'm like, Wow! If we, if Saint Good Saint Pius X saw what Pope Francis has seen, mm -hmm. that in the palm of their hand they are confronted with so many evils, because kids in the Midwest, kids on a farm, don't know what in 19, did not know what communism was. Okay, and that, that's what the biggest thing in modernism that, that he was confronting. So, but he said they need the Eucharist. So bring it back full circle. Those kids that go off, and I and I talk to them, and I have genuine conversations with them. And you know, the other day I was talking to one, and 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 she says, "I don't know. Right now we're getting into the into the Gospel of John. We're, we're starting in chapter one of John. I go, let me know when you get to chapter six, the Bread of Life discourse. Yep. Talks about the Eucharist. Like, ooh, that's what Scott Hahn. If you read, if you read Lamb's mm -hmm. Supper, when he was first, his first sermons were about John. Then he got to chapter six, and like, whoa, I don't know how to deal with this." I don't know how to. I don't know how to talk about this because I'm not equipped to talk about this. Yep. So the Eucharist is great convert it, story. Great convert. If you haven't read, uh, you know, Rome Sweet Rome Home, Sweet Home yeah. or, or Lamb Supper, I believe you could get those for free, or at least Rome Sweet Home, you get it for free on the form app from the parish. But Lamb Supper required reading. It's so good. But the Eucharist, and that's that has to be, and, I've, and I'm convinced of this. During this National Eucharist revival, has to be what brings our children, especially our young people, teenagers to be more rooted in the church. I don't know. Thank you for listening to my TED Talk. <laughs> well, it's, did, did I hear you correctly? They used to give the fragments to nursing infants? In ancient times, Pope Pius wrote, the fact that in ancient times the remaining particles of the sacred species were, give, were even given to nursing infants. That's extraordinary. Right? And I talked about particles yesterday. I'm going to lose my job. <laughs> No, you know, <laughs> I, I doubt it, but so wow, that's but yeah, you you mentioned the the particles yesterday and how we should how we should long for just a, a particle and how it. and how transformative even that particle can be. You know, our theme this year is uh, faith can move mountains. Mm -hmm. In the that's the Archdiocesan theme. Yeah, so in, in Catholic schools and religious ed programs. Yep, that's what. That's what we're being invited to reflect on throughout this year. The 
faith can move mountain. And that, of course, comes from the the Bible passage. You know, faith. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say that mountain move, and it will move. Yeah, and a mustard seed is. We gave them out to the teachers at the day of reflection. It's tiny, 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 tiny. You know, and and you think of a particle of the blessed sacrament, and and it it calls to mind that image right there. And if we had even that tiniest particle, you know, what that can do, how that can transform us, and how that can transform the world. You know, when we allow ourselves to be a vehicle of grace, and that and that's all that the woman wanted. Yep. Was those leftovers, and 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 this is where we need to be careful because it was taken away from the chosen people. It was taken away from them because, and it was given to the Gentiles because they didn't recognize Jesus as Messiah. And we need to recognize what the disciples didn't recognize that there are people within the church that need our help, and we can't, especially our young people, and we cannot keep building bridges. Not bridges. You can't keep building walls. You have to be able to build bridges. To be able to bridge with that, you know, to be able to connect with them and to show them the beauty of our faith and the beauty of the Eucharist and the beauty of Jesus Christ. Because, and I ended the homily with this dramatic statement, because if we don't, we're going to be on the outside looking in, longing for the fragments that fall off the table, longing for those scraps from the table, you know, that the master, at the master's table, because that's what happens, you know, at the table of the Lord at the altar. All of us are invited to it. Obviously, some of us can't approach because of whatever reason, because regular marriage or we're not in the state of grace, we need to go to confession. Okay, get all that straightened out. All of us are welcome at that altar. And he doesn't want to give us scraps. He doesn't want to give us leftovers. He doesn't want to give us particles. He wants to give us the fullness of his grace. The thing is, so many times we reject it by rejecting others. By alienating others, the foreigner, the poor, the, 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 you know, the, the displaced, the prisoner. No, we have to be welcoming of everyone because they're all are welcome at his table because he is uniting all of us. That first reading from Isaiah, and all shall be united and in this house, and my house shall be called a house of prayer. But it's got to be an active. It well, can't be yes. passive. You know, and that's the part of the discomfort here. Ah, You know, we can... We can do hospitality well when someone walks in our door, you know. But what are we doing during that out yeah. to yeah. to bring that person in? Yeah, and that's the challenge, you know. Our, you said evangelical churches do it well. You know, they are actually evangelical. They attract people because they're not afraid to say, you know, I'm Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ. I love the Lord. Come join me. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's something that we do very poorly. Very very poorly. Yeah. You know. The, Little flower, thank, thanks be to God, we've gotten infinitely better. You know, when when someone walks into our parish, that that we are welcoming. You know, that we are not casting judgment, that we're not yelling at them for taking our pew. You know, that that if they have a crying kid, you say you know, we smile at them and say, oh, that's that's great, it's wonderful to have you. Bring them back next week. You know, we we've done an incredible job to fix inside the doors of the church. You know, but you said there's always. Are there's we, always that one. There's always one more thing that we can yeah. do. Are we welcoming them outside the doors of our church, in our homes, in our in our work, in our schools? That's where we need to bring everyone to welcome them to the table where Jesus is crying out to them, wants to be part of their lives, and in, in our hearts we we're crying out as well, just like this Canaanite woman. And that's why 
as Catholics, we need to be persistent not only in crying out to the Lord for the things that we need, but also in crying out to the Lord, you know, and being persistent in, in bringing other ones closer to Him, especially our young people. Because if we don't do that, we're going to be on the outside looking in, longing for scraps of the table. Yes! Yes! The you! The you! The you! A running back. Wow. That's your fiance's boy. Exactly. It's yeah, a no-brainer. He's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> that guy just... No, but just... No. Get out of here. What was that last night? So since we were last on the air... I believe uh, we, w- we did a bonus episode when the Heat made the finals. And the Heat and Panthers, they got trophies. They didn't the, get the trophy they wanted, but... The sports gods have been uh, very nice to very very kind to South Florida sports. Oh, Ashley's here. Hey guys! Oh, wow, Whoa. we haven't been on since late May. Late May. That's that's probably. So I asked everyone in the room to write down their top three sports stories of the summer that we missed, yeah. and I believe we should all have the same one as number one. Inter Miami lands Messi, and all I do is win, win, Messi win. Messi to Miami. I watched my first Inter Miami game. <laughs> Um, did you watch Saturday night? I did, but the thing is, on regular people TV, it was only hit in Spanish. So oh, I, I, I watched yeah. it on Channel Nine. <laughs> I, I, did you, have you subscribed <laughs> to the season? Pass? I have I, not. No, I did. You watch it in Spanish? You, you, the, the no, I just I just watched the highlights on. Oh my God! Twitter X X Twitter. I learned goal is <laughs> yeah. is generic it's pre- language. It's, it's pretty good. No, <laughs> it was Golazo. amazing. Ama- did you watch the penalty kicks? Actually? I watched the whole thing. 11 rounds. I was glued. And I knew that their goalie goalie was going to mess it up. You saw he had no confidence in his face when he went to kick it. (laughs) You knew it was over. Did you? Did you know? I did. I called it. I did. Penalty kicks are such a crapshoot. It really is. And here we are leading off. We haven't talked sports in three months, and we're leading off with MLS soccer. Who would have thought? And we are still last in the league. Does Messi not speak English? Messi does not speak English. You know, I just learned that. He went from Argentina to Barcelona. Why would he speak English? That is true. I was like, I can't wait to hear his press conference. Barcelona's kind of still kind of like, you know, it's Catalan is, you know, over there. But we're we're still last and we may win a second cup before our next MLS game. We have the U.S. Open Cup. The U.S. Open Cup. Semifinal is Wednesday against a very good Cincinnati team. And what team is going to take that field? These guys have to be exhausted. They played last Tuesday and on Saturday. Both grueling game. Well, not, yeah. Philadelphia wasn't that grueling because he smoked them. But how amazing is it to watch this man play soccer? I mean, it's like the, I mean, and I was talking about it with with, with soccer soccer fiction yesterday. It's like LeBron going to play in in in, in Spain's La Liga basketball team basketball yeah. league. It's you know he's a man against boys. But what it's does what that is. say to soccer in America? It means that we still got a ways to go. Now I was impressed, and I'm blanking out on his name right now which one i am impressed with with the mvp of the league who played for nashville who uh just had uh an amazing amazing season amazing game against uh um against inter miami he it's the quality of play is getting better because mls you know for most part sometimes it's unwatchable uh they they've been uh, so poor. I mean, when you when you can watch it, like I remember one time Inter Miami was playing in this back in twenty. We, we, we were or one day I was watching World Cup games, and then I watched an Inter Miami game, and then I'm like, 
or something that affected, or Premier League game. And it's just so different. Like even Father Steve and Father Hugo say, you know, they they see Premier League games, they see, you know, Messi play, and then they see the quality of play in, yeah. in the African League Cup that we were watching last January. And like that's like, oh my God, you, their shoes are stuck in the mud type yeah. soccer. Yeah, you look at that kind of soccer, then you look at the World Cup soccer. It's totally different soccer. But even to basketball, look at the Greece League compared to the NBA. There's no comparison. The NBA is the NBA. So the soccer in America is not, you know, comparable to soccer out there. But it says something that Messi decided to play here. So... Maybe it's it's on to something. Maybe Mbappe might come on the side. Well, I doubt Mbappe's going to come in this because he's going to make almost a billion dollars. Yeah. But either in the Saudi league or PSG. Yep. That's that's something that Mool is, is. Do you think he's going to be better than Messi? He's better than Messi when he was when Messi was his age. Mbappe's a better soccer player. But do you think Mbappe's going to be the best in the conversation, world? But um, <laughs> Mukhtar is the name of the of the player that I'm that I'm thinking. Of. That's the, the MVP for uh, Nashville. Uh, no, I no. mean, Mbappe so, no? is an amazing, and he no. single-handedly bought France to to, to the equalize the, the World Cup yeah. final and almost won France a second World Cup in a row. But Messi racked up his 44th, or it depends on who you ask, his 44th trophy on yeah. on, on Saturday. No, I mean, good. it's just amazing. And the things that he does is just like sorcery. All right, second thing that you have on your, I mean, we'll ask, what second thing you have on your list? Uh, second thing I have is the stress an aggravation that Dalvin Cook and Damian Lillard has Here brought me all summer. Dalvin yeah, Cook, you no, made us believe. Not anywhere near my list. Well, <laughs> why, do you, why do you care so much about Dalvin Cook? Did just, you, I think we have a pretty good running back. We're fine running back, but it's just the we're fact that you he summer. made us believe it's going to happen. So is Damian Lillard going to do the same thing no, to no, us no. too? I, I was never good big on Dalvin. I mean, if we would have got him, great. But yeah, Damian Lillard, I thought by now he would be a member of the Miami Heat. And it's, well, that's not him. He can't do no, anything about that. No, I know he can't do anything about that. Stuff. But the thing, then there's Damon, and then there's James Harden, Ugh. you know, taking a taking a blowtorch to <laughs> Daryl Morey, the GM of the, of the Philadelphia Talk about shots fired. Dun, 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 he dun. is a liar. I don't want to deal with him. And it's like oh, the NBA is opening an investigation. And so what was your second? Uh, the Marlins in the wild card hunt. I have that as my third. And uh, and b- actually buyers it's at the deadline. Still relevant. And Josh Bell and, and Burger. Bur- Jake yeah. Berger, Burger. They've, the been, Burger they've been good. But oh, there's one that. guy that, that we acquired that Jorge does not like. That you do not like. You like Robinson. I no, right man. I can he's, tell you right now. I can tell you right now. He's still wearing his, his, there you go. his orange and blue glove from the yeah. Met. It's got the Met stink all Jordan, over it. Get else. that. We can, we, can we... Like collectively buy Robertson. Like Teal Glove or something? Teal Glove. I knew right off the bat. As soon as, uh, yeah, it's oh. something else. My number three is Dude has cost us at least three, let's four stay, games. Let's stay in the Marlins for just one more oh, second. Oh, there all Because day. we're still one game out. Because everybody is like stunk at the same time or gotten hot at the same yeah. time. So it's like we no, no one's separating themselves. Like who wants to be a wild card? Yeah. Philly has separated themselves a little bit, even a little though they bit. lost last night. Um, well, they lost two to Washington. They're, they did. They were far from separating yeah, themselves. No, but I'm saying, but they, weren't they like, yesterday they were three, I mean, I know they're, they're two three, and a half up. But, but are, I think they're three clear of the Marlins. Three that, and a half. That, three that, and a half. That series that we had, uh, was it two weeks ago with Philly, that we should have won more games. We really, because right before the, right before the All-Star break, we took two or three for them. Then after the All-Star break, we forgot how to play baseball. Yep. It's like, yeah. hello. And that eight game losing streak. That was not good. That was not good at all. Right now, the division, the wild card standings are as follows: Philly has the first wild card. They are two and a half clear of, uh, they're two clear of San Francisco. They're two and a half clear of Chicago, who has the third wild card spot. Arizona, Cincinnati, and Miami are one back. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Solaire's been awesome. 
So Solaire there's some great. Has been amazing. Arise has kind of like dipped a little bit, but yep. you know I think we'll get it going Nothing again. Sandy's been Sandy. Finally, Sandy's a Sandy. Yuri again. is. I mean, they should never have demoted Yuri. Nope. I mean, I think I mean that was a yeah. curse of Yuri during that losing streak. Is like everything started kind of riding the ship. Yep. But we have San Diego this weekend. We need to sweep the Nationals this weekend. Yeah. No, if Hendra, but we got to win those games. I'll tell you, it gets me so nervous every time I see a fly ball at the center, Jazz. He's, I yeah, do that not trust just him out there. Once that that, that oh play with Delacruz was camped Ran under right it. Into him. But I mean, uh, no, Bell and Berger been, have been. Amazing. It could have been worse. It could have could have been worse. And uh, but no, we're doing great. We're going to go on Sunday to see them. Your third thing, Ashley. Yeah, underrated Zach Thomas. Let's go. Fifty-four oh, Hall was, of Fame. She was there in Canton. I was. No, I was my first time going to Canton. It's truly heaven on earth for football fans and. Zach, obviously, he, you guys saw him play. I didn't uh-huh. become a fan till 2008, and that's obviously still remember wasn't 96. playing. And just such a nice man on and off the field. and Good Catholic. Really, really strong Catholic. Went to St. Coleman, according to Father Andrew. Told him he was one of his parishioners. And, no, it's just that was probably a big uh, – to me, it was one of the big stories, and I, I'm really excited to see where the Dolphins go this Long. year. What's your number three? Panthers in the Stanley Cup. Oh, that seemed like eons ago. Uh, I but, know, but that so since we last since yeah, we last spoke, was all about the Panthers this summer. He really he was yeah. more about the he was more about the Panthers than the Heat. We know they're they, playing. Yeah, the game I mean, he's not a bandwagon. He's a real deal. The uh, that that, that they had they that, had no business being in the Stanley no. Cup. I was the, talking, their run through the playoffs was magical. Yes, and I was I was so there when fun. we clinched the Eastern you, Conference. You were there. He was oh. there. Yeah, we should have gone on the air the next day. That goal with uh, what was it like three seconds left? Good Chuck. Oh. That was glorious. Him kneeling there—that sh- that should be a statue. Of him kneeling, going like with his arms up. Right I still can't believe this guy played with, with broken everything. Yeah. In the Every, Stanley Cup. Everybody was injured. When that yeah. injury report came out at the end of the Stanley Cup, I was like, no wonder we couldn't do anything. And no, they I, made moves already. Declares already off the team. That they, you know, oh, they man. cleaned house a little bit after. So it's interesting to see how this season will, will be for them. And my bone, my three asterisk is the Yankees in the absolute cellar. We could talk about that all day. I'm ready for it. Just got swept by the Red Sox. Uh, They're just not the same. I was there. I am old enough to remember the last time the Yankees won a baseball game because I, uh, Father, we're <laughs> won actually a baseball in, game. Yeah, I was actually there. It was it was tw- it was eleven days ago. That's right. The Friday of the, of the August eleven, the Friday against their series and against then my the wife. Romans. My wife bought a Yankees hat and they haven't won a game since. It's your wife's fault. It's not like, it's not like, listen, <laughs> when, they, when she Aaron bought the best jersey. purchase ever, when she, when best she bought, ever, Angie. just like when my dad gifted me the curse of the Bambino, when she gave, mm-hmm. he gave me the curse of the Bambino uh, uh, plaque that stands in my office, you know, that's the year that was broken. Unbelievable. I mean, what, just, I mean, <laughs> why are you doing this grave. to me? I mean, I haven't gotten to my third thing, well, we'll get to it in a second because it's also frustrating, but... The 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 the, the Yankees are like you know right now I'm like channeling Madeline Kahn and in, include in it's like flames at the side of my face now oh. and I will like that reference like it's front the, the, there's no heart to this team you know Boone is a puppet for the the nerds that are up there in the front oh. office telling them what to do from the computers the computers spit out at two o'clock this is how you're to pitch the the, the pitchers here's who to put in this situation no you can't do that. You can't do that. And I think Skip Schumacher's proved this year with the Marlins that sometimes you have to fly in the face of the adversity. Mm-hmm. Like the other day, listen, it backfired. But the other day against, uh, I think it was against Houston, he throws up Avi Garcia against the uh, the Houston pitcher, even though Avi Garcia stinks to high heaven, is batting less than Mendoza line because he had a good average against this guy. It was a solid move. It didn't work out. The 
you know, I'm, I was, I have a million adjectives right. I think I say that I'm keeping to myself right now. Okay, waste of money. But uh, he, he struck out. Okay, which uh, I could have told you that. But at least you know it, w- it flew in the face of what the nerds upstairs yeah. would say. I don't want to talk about the Yankees. Seventeen back of Baltimore. Thank you. And wow. nine clear of the wild card. You had that on your bingo card. We had. Uh, you had, we had Baltimore leading the. AL we have to go thirty card, and nine right? to probably get to ninety wins. It's uh, somebody put that it was. We definitely. It's a winning percentage of seven sixty, and the ninety eight Yankees had a winning percentage of seven twenty, which probably after the twenty seven Yankees, the best Yankee team. Didn't you just ever. preach about the other day about uh, moving oh. mountains and having faith? Yeah. No. <laughs> Wasn't that the schoolmaster I, message? I, I can't. Now when now when nerds and computers are running no, my baseball team, that's so. the asterisk next to that. Yeah. All right. So my what's your thir- three? My what's third three? thing is yeah. uh, the flame out of the women's national team in the World Cup. That we're coming themselves. yesterday oh. was Spain. Yawn. Did it to themselves. Yeah, seriously? Did it to themselves. Seriously? Yeah, there's man. no there's no patriotism in my office. Come there's on. no patriotism on that team. Get oh, out of here. here we no. go. They had an alternate I don't agenda care. and they the did chat. what they wanted to do. <laughs> no, they weren't there to play soccer. Can we talk? Forget about that. Can we talk tactically? Okay, we have a superior team. I didn't watch a minute of it. Okay, because it was also in the middle of the night. I didn't watch any replays, highlights. I, the, I'm sorry, the first game was on 9 o'clock at night. You could not care. Nope. We actually won that game. It was against Vietnam. Congratulations. Nine o'clock's not bad. We're actually now the next three days you're gonna be watching you know, God will and ten o'clock so Marlins games. It. I mean, no, nine no, o'clock's I'm, not I'm bad. Passed out by he's that. passed out. So here here's my thing. And, and it has nothing to do with Pod them not saying it or, or making nothing. It's that our coach stunk. I mean, first game, okay, Alex Morgan couldn't find but she'll get she get it, but then the second game, nothing tactically. You don't sub anybody in. Rose Lavelle is the only one you're subbing in. She gets a second yellow card, couldn't, you know, couldn't play in the semifinal and didn't do anything. We went 0-0 against the Netherlands, went 0-0 against Sweden, goes to a shootout. I didn't see that game. I was asleep. I was on vacation, did not want to be bothered. My first day of vacation in the last week of, of before school started, I woke up at three o'clock in the morning to watch them play Portugal. Nope. And almost saw them be eliminated in the knock in, in the group stage at because time? Portugal. That was at three o'clock in the morning. I was on my fourth dream. I was on I vacation. Was, I was, and I went back to sweet, sleep. Obviously. Sweet dream right there. Yep. <laughs> I did go back to sleep. I was on vacation. You miss a lot when you're out. You miss the finals. You missed everything. I, no, I was no everything. All the, both finals ended by the time I got to Europe. Oh, yeah, they man. were they were done. Okay, but. No, I was just so disappointed because you know that's one thing you can count as a U.S. women's team. Spain would have demolished them. Spain would have just and and we knocked out Spain, mm-hmm. you know, in the last World Cup in the court in I don't know if it was this quarterfinal round of sixteen. I don't remember, but we did knock out Spain. And this team, this Spanish team, which in twenty eighteen didn't have facilities, didn't have female jerseys, didn't have anything, and they're still fighting with their federation. Won the World Cup. And England still can't win anything. Talking about trophies, didn't you? Don't you guys think it's silly that the refs get like a medal at the cup? The it's an it's an honor that they're playing and that they're refereeing the World Cup. And think it was an American woman because they can never re- referee the final because Americans are always there. That's true. So they can't referee a game where your nation is. Yeah, so that. good for her. We she, were women's but it was a great. It was a great yeah. final. I saw the. I mean, I, I saw the second half, and Father Uko was raving about the first half. Spain just was a better team. So how do you feel about the a lot Dolphins of suck. this year? All right, we're gonna, no, we're two gonna, weeks away. We're two weeks. Well, we're two or a week and a half away from the Canes opener and yeah. two weeks away from the Dolphins opener. Yeah, and well, be we have there. a preseason game against the Jaguars this week. Uh, All right, the Dolphins, can we save the, the the NFL oh, uh, preview until next week? I'll try. Okay, <laughs> I'm like ready. Because I, I, let's just 
you know, since we talk about what happened in the weekend, usually in this segment, yeah. Talk. Did you see this preseason game on? Because this one didn't. Did you uh, to a through an interception? Uh, what do I need with that? <laughs> I just wanted to just wanted to that's, rile, I know rile that's him a lead. It's, it was it was a headline ESPN <laughs> minutes after it happened. But, what, but Ashley, what did he do in the next drive? Yeah, he made it down the field and he. Where did where did, he where did that drive start? Oh, First of all, he that, ninety-seven, that, right? Didn't we take a ninety-seven that, yard that, or something? Well, it was ninety-four because we started at the seven, but and then the first play was a high <laughs> snap that was uh, down at the three. But okay. Th- that interception yielded no points because for whatever reason, Houston decided to go for it on the fourth and goal at seven. Because it's preseason. It's you preseason. See what you I got know. CJ Stroud? Yeah, you got Houston's a bad team. But what did Tua do in the next drive? Yeah, he made it. Took his team down the field. Down and everything. 13, 13, 14 plays down the field. I just wanted to elicit that response. Oh, because it's like, <laughs> why? I mean, but it, have we ever had such a polarizing quarterback in, in, in our history? Come on. The I, kid... When he's on fire, he's on fire. He has the highest highest QB rating of all yeah, quarterbacks. The best last year. wide receiver duo possibly in NFL history. Do something with it. That. You have the smart one of the smartest. Jerry Rice and John Taylor would like a word. Oh, Tory Hoard and Isaac Bruce would like a I, word. I cannot deal with it up and down. Season, Andre Reid and, and James Lofton would like a word. I, I can I can keep going. I can't think. I can't deal with an up and down season. You know. And then Toronto said she's, she's gonna be there. I'll be there week <laughs> one and so two. Fi. Yeah, I'll be so fine in Gillette. So. Uh, we'll see how that goes. You but. know what I am enjoying? What? The Miami hype machine oh, with uh, UM football has been very quiet. It has summer, been. Why? Which I'm all about. Why? No, it's good. Because the Manny hype machine oh, God. Yeah. was terrible. Yeah. It just, I like the, the, they're quiet, they're down to business. You're and right. let's see, let's yes. see what this translates to on the field. You know, something to make our top three list, but you know, it was a big movement over the summer is that ni- none of us at this table have, have bolted to the big 10, <laughs> you know, or the big 12. <laughs> I mean, conference realignment is something that's, UM, uh, UM is trying to get Stanford the pack, and ACC. Is it the pack four now? You know, the pack four, yeah, Stanford and ACC are on, right there on the Pacific. Let's make them part of the Atlantic Coast Conference. Okay, that's everybody's talking about. Okay, USC has to go to to Rutgers to play volleyball. Okay, the flight from LAX to to New York is a direct flight. What about State College to Eugene? How is that for those teams that don't have a charter flight? Yeah, I mean, I know that getting to State College is a pain, and 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 asking Mario's staff that used to be work in Eugene how hard it is to get to Eugene, Oregon. Come on. I'm happy for Rutgers. I grew up actually eight minutes outside of Rutgers. Are you happy for Rutgers? I am. I was There's an article in The Athletic about yeah, no, what I a am. disaster their members, you know, their membership has been. No, I always I always went to see Vivian Stringer basketball camp for my whole entire life. I uh, Ray Good Rice I saw team. him play in college. I mean, I was a that huge was That was the highlight of it was when, when yeah. uh, what's this guy's name? Um, Ray Rice. No, Greg Schiano. Greg Schiano, yeah. First yeah, time yeah. around, yeah. He, he bought that team up and, yeah. you know, chopped the wood and you know, and then ESPN was there, and they stormed the field yeah. and all that stuff. But, yeah. but where do you think? And and I'll end with this: when the dust is settled, where do you think Miami, FSU, and let's throw Clemson in there? Where do you think they end up three years from now? Well, Are they still playing in the Atlantic Coast Conference? No, they're not big. We get eliminate, right? We say not Big East. We can start chopping some. Right? It's not. Uh, Florida State, Clemson will go to SEC. I could see what that. What about us? No. no, Florida won't. Florida would never vote for for Miami. For putting Miami, they're still afraid of us after all these I, years. Absolutely. Who would, why yeah. would they be afraid of us? FSU. And here's the thing: FSU. You talked about this. We had this conversation over the summer. FSU has, and I'm, I apologize to all my Seminole fans for the disparaging that we're going to give your team right now. But FSU has one good season yeah. last year. 
and they start getting delusions and of great. And they are God's gift to college football. And, and so, and they have, and they have a, a, a broadcast, a board of trustees meeting where they're saying, "We, we got to get out of the ACC," and they couldn't because the deadline yeah. to notify the ACC. But we learned what grant of rights means. Yeah. What is but your no, I don't, I don't think the SEC. I don't think the SEC is interested in Miami. Big Ten. Big Ten. Big Ten. Father Andrew, we're talking about. Do we, who are the best teams in the Big Ten? There's a Big 18 right now. <laughs> you know. who, are the, right who are the best team in the Big Ten? Ohio State. Uh-huh. Keep going. Michigan. Uh-huh. Michigan State. Eh. No, not anymore. No. Who am I missing? Maybe Penn State. Yeah, yeah they had a couple of That's good seasons. It. That's it. In the SEC, you could, you could roll up maybe five, seven teams off the tip of your tongue, and, and Big Ten is like, okay, yeah, maybe. I mean... The profile of Miami fits better with the Big Ten than yep. does the SEC, which more mostly public universities like Clemson, like Florida State, mm-hmm. which have on-campus stadiums and have that sound like Paul Feinbaum. But oh god, that guy. But um, but I don't see Miami in the SEC. I, I mean, don't see it'd it. Be, it'd be great for the um, for recruiting. It'd be great for recruiting and financials, but I don't see it happening. Father Andrew says if we go to the SEC, we go six and five every year, or five and six, or what, we actually play twelve games or whatever, or five and seven. Um, it's gotten difficult, the landscape of college football, to do what Miami used to do in the 90s, yep. 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. It's gotten difficult because everybody yeah. will want to go to the Georgias and Alabamas of the world. Alabama, my goodness, they've fallen all the way to fourth. In the rankings, yeah. Oh. Jorge has an opinion about preseason rankings. Oh, I don't want to see them. I don't want to see them. Until? Just till week four, week five. Okay. I think Fair. he's right. You can keep them to yourself as a as a sports writer, but don't publish this. Yeah. Like, let's see the actual it's, team. It's, I think it's done for TV. Of course it is, dry, but it's garbage. Like, for example, LSU plays Florida State on Sunday and have fun with that FSU, even though it's in Orlando. Uh, it's number five against number eight, so that sells. Number five against number eight. Of course. And I, I believe, I don't but know, if, I think that's the only ranked matchup of week but it's one. hot garbage. But it's week zero this Saturday. Navy at Notre Dame and double. You fired up about that, Ashley? No. Okay. Got a Marlins national. Let's wrap this up before we hit the hour Dolphins mark. Preseason gets a jack. We're going to the Marlins on Wednesday, on, on Sunday with the Here, kids. My, Miami and Notre Dame are going to join in, in the Big Ten. I think that eventually. But the thing is, Notre Dame has it in their contract with the ACC with the other sports that if they join a conference, it has to be the ACC. Lawyers will take care of that. Yeah. Notre Dame probably has very good lawyers. Anyhow, folks, it's been great having everyone with us for our season five premiere. Hope the first part made you uncomfortable. It was supposed to. I mean, I don't think we did that, but but it was supposed to. No, it was the gospel yesterday was uncomfortable. Oh. Ashley's like she didn't hear us record the. First <laughs> I was part. like, what are you putting <laughs> my name on this podcast no. for? <laughs> but uh, and the second half, we're gonna have so much fun. Can't wait, football. It is. It's bad. coming. It's you smell it in the Taylor air. Taylor Swift said she is not performing at the Super Bowl. You heard she was asked to perform at the Super Bowl. She declined the offer. Why would she, why would she perform? Her profile's never been it. higher. Me too. Yeah. Do you so. pay $2,000 for Sailor Swift tickets for next year? No, I'm not a Taylor <laughs> She's not a Swifty. I'm not a Swifty. And George is wincing, thinking, oh, my God, Ouch. my daughter's going to grow up and want to be go to a Taylor Swift concert. She'll be <laughs> seven at the time. So who knows? Six. She'll be, no, seven. You six or seven at the time next year? Six. 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 Anyways, let's wrap this up. So read your Bibles. You know, think about, every, about everything we talked about in the first half of this episode. You know, when we're made to feel uncomfortable by Jesus, that Jesus is trying to move us in a different direction, and it's to be more open to others. So reach out to others, invite them to Mass. Masters are packed yesterday. Let's keep them packed as we go into the fall and keep, you know, 
reviving our church as Christ wants us to do. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.